Hello and welcome to Sequels and Reboots. Another edition, an unexpected edition, I must say. Because we didn't think we were going to come back, did we, Brody? Well, no, I mean, uh, I'm frankly surprised I'm hearing from you, Pete, because uh, you went to uh, Los Angeles. Yeah, uh, we, we cut each other out of our our respective lives completely. I, I mean, you cut me out of your life. Let's, let's yeah. not say, I mean, I didn't, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I respectfully, I, I acknowledged your needs. Like mm-hmm. a good friend, I My knew needs. that you, like, you were being claimed by the porn life. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> <laughs> that just sounds like I'm just watching a lot of porn <laughs> forever. Yeah. But yeah, it didn't work out. My career as a, a live porno composer, exactly. Uh, it, it got off to a good start. Okay. Uh, I was initially worried about, you know, in terms of someone who's playing live music over porn sets, mm-hmm. uh, what the demand would be in, in that industry. Turns out a lot. <laughs> and um, so initially I signed the contract with Bang Boys. Okay, and they wanted right. me on their sets every week playing. Um, and, you know, the director wanted me actually just, you know, there while things are happening, just scoring it as I saw. I'm not very good at improvisation. I was a bit worried. But, you know, I adapted. Uh, but we had these problems where, you know, the, the, the performers, shall we say, mm-hmm. they're, used to, they're used to camera operators. They're used to sound guys. They're used to, like, bored middle-aged tubby men just watching and just wanting to make a buck but they're not used to uh people (laughs) they're not used to men in their 20s with an acoustic guitar sitting on a little stool or perched there and the amount of performers who are just looking over and just being like is he going to be in it (laughs) Uh, and it got distracting for the director and uh he got a little bit annoyed at how much uh you know i i I won't say flirting but uh but how how, how much uh, interest from his performers was going on? Oh, so wait, uh, you, you were you were saying that like the, you're saying that the performers are looking over and being like, oh, who's this? Who's this guy? He's noodling with this guitar. Well, uh, he well, appears yeah. to know Wonderwall, hey, one of my hey, favorite songs. You gotta be good with your fingers, you know. Oh man. But no, but what I'm saying is, is if you're if you're yeah, a performer, in this, if you're a performer in this field, your heart's got to be at least a bit in it. You got to be a bit attracted to the person. Wait, wait, can... actually, hold on. Can, can we can we pause on that because I don't feel like porno. Does porno involve a lot of fingering? I literally have no idea. I'm not saying no, but like in general, being good with your fingers is quite attractive, is it not? Yeah, but I figure, like, I, I don't know. I figured to get involved in porn, I mean. I feel I feel like if people are watching porn and all they're seeing is like <laughs> people getting to third base, it's, it's probably a little disappointing. Well, the other day I used the phrase downstairs DJ and Kate got really mad at me. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> uh, what can I say? I'm musically driven. This is my cause. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've just got an image of Jeff Goldblum from um, from Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> downstairs DJ. Oh, anyway, downstairs DJ. All on. right. So yeah, you know, I packed my bags, uh, left the left the Tinsel Town. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not for any real failing. You know, I was too good. Mm-hmm. Let's say. Yeah. But you know, when I want to pick up this career one day, um, it might happen. But for now, your my acoustic, only outlet. The acoustic rhythms of your soul meshed too perfectly with their with the acoustic rhythms of it was too much slapping against thighs. It was too much. Um, for now, Sorry, I, I just I just grossed myself out a bit. You did. I should fucking watch what I say. For for now, for now, my only outlet is is you know creating fake sequels to established movies and <laughs> challenging. It's the only option for a boy like me. 
Yeah. So, so, so Bernie, could you explain to us? I'm a little bit fuzzy. What mm. do we do here? Well, uh, as I explain in a different way every week, Pete, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what we do here at Sequels and Reboots is we come up with uh, sequels and or remakes and or reboots of um, the movies which Hollywood, frankly, just hasn't had the fucking balls. <laughs> it's ridiculous. To try and uh, to try and bring back to the slavering I'm, masses. I'm, I'm fed up of it. There's just too, there's too much original product. The fact they have the goal... Mm. To to create brand new, interesting, inspired properties is just, you know, I'm offended by it. The customer is always right. And mm-hmm. the customer mm-hmm. just wants uh, the same thing they've already seen. Like, these yep. are like the two... They, they the want... Two, the these customer are the, wants... the ironclad rules of business. Damn it. They are the ironclad rules of business. Uh, <laughs> are we fucking... Are we like liberals now? Like... <laughs> <laughs> we, we are ironclad liberals. While you were out of my life, I went through a really dark patch. It like... Caused me to rethink a bunch of things. I got a job in the finance sector. I'm now oh. basically just, I'm I'm now just you know full on neoliberal. <laughs> you don't. You've now got a YouTube channel that's all about. Yeah, I wear I wear theory. a fedora. Yeah. I, I, I I think that everything should be a market. It's just terrible. Yeah. It, 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 yeah. Yeah. You, you claim I, to be I'm an really... economic. You claim to be an economic theorist, but you just complain about feminism. Really. <laughs> <laughs> we went we, we, okay but basically what i'm saying is pete the the flaws of us of our nation cinemas are sticky with the drool uh of of the slavering masses and they just they just want they just want the sequel ideas we can mm-hmm. give them which i like that you've said our nation given that we're in different countries yeah but, I, um, our nation meaning the eu <laughs> but yeah you say, you say you say what we what they want and what do people want more than remakes of obscure sci-fi films from the early 60s <laughs> obscure roger corman projects okay are, are we are we starting with you or do you want to start we're gonna we're me? gonna we're gonna dive in i'm gonna give you my pitch all right okay cool Four. because last week uh i set you the task of remaking uh roger corman's uh 19 1965 oh no 1963 Three. 1963 film x the man with the x-ray eyes and um oh, weird title. What did you think? What did you think, well, my man? I went I went and checked it out. Mm-hmm. And what a profoundly creepy film. Oh, interesting. Did you well what was the tone that you, you drew from this? Because this is the movie about a guy <laughs> oh, I'll try some of up. It's <laughs> what is he, an optician or something? Uh he's like a he's medical doctor. He's like an experimenting doctor, I think. Yeah. He's he's a doctor, but he also does like mad science stuff. And he's he's fed up with having regular eyes. <laughs> just really annoying. He hates having just regular eyes. And yeah, like he, he you know, human eyes can only perceive a certain portion of the of the light spectrum. Mm. Uh and therefore they can And what's weird about the idea of X ray is in having x-ray eyes, you can see some stuff, but also you can't see other stuff that you could see before. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, if I could see everyone as a skeleton, great. <laughs> I'm seeing everyone as a skeleton. I can no longer see skin. <laughs> like, it doesn't seem that appealing, but it's very appealing to him. The idea of just seeing everything. Which, you know, in a very 60s sense, that's a bit mind-blowing. Yeah, no. I, th- I thought it was like a re- I thought it was a really solid premise um i would like to say it does it did reveal to me uh sort of my boredom or just 
kind of like taking the piss out of the the established sci-fi trope humans only use blah 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 percent of their brain this makes you use a thousand percent of it i realize my boredom with that trope isn't because like that's factually inaccurate or anything shit like that it's because we always just use the brain and this movie Mm -hmm. is the first is the only movie i've heard which is like humans can only see blah 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 amount of things what if we could see all of the things yeah and and i really like that i feel like we should just create a bunch of movies where it's just like a man can only smell a blah 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 range (laughs) of things what if we could smell everything that's already been made that's the one where tim allen becomes a dog and he can smell butts he can smell but like, but at least, at least that 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 you know, light spectrum thing is slightly grounded in fact. Yeah, okay. yeah. What is not grounded in fact is what happens once he can see, because you know, immediately like, okay, if I with these special eye drops changed my eyes to to be able to see everything in the light spectrum, it would just be nonsense. You wouldn't be able to communicate that to an audience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know. Uh, so what he does see is just through whatever he wants. Be that. Walls or clothes or cards in a card game. Like, the the means of escalation in this film are great. Yes. Because this guy gets these eye drops. And he, at first, he can see through skin. And he can do medical examinations. And he can make the right call on on how to save people. You know, it's a breakthrough. Very specific. Mm -hmm. But still pretty good. And then I thought, I honestly thought it was going to go further and further and further. Until we got into, like, almost horror uh, where he could see, you know, beyond the veil of this plane of existence or something. Uh, but really, it just gets so advanced that he is really good at cards. <laughs> <laughs> he can get some money, you know? Well, he, well he, he does see beyond the veil of existence eventually. We don't really see it, though. Oh, no, we don't. But I feel like that's a really lovely... I I, I really love the ending of this film. Where yeah. he's he stumbles into a, a street preacher's tent and yeah. the street preacher's going on about God and he's just like, oh yeah, God, I've seen him. And then he reveals like... <laughs> he his... doesn't even t- say reference him as God. Yeah, and then he, and he reveals these pitch black eyes and it's just like, oh, fuck hey, that's yeah. a Do you know what? That's a bizarre image to see in the in an early 60s picture. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like blacked out eyes. I, I don't know. There's something quite modern about that look. Yeah. Probably because it's sick as fuck, but <laughs> but like the, the very end, the ending moments that were like kind of chilling in a silly way, where the preacher he recalls a part of the Bible where it's like if if I see sin, if your eyes see sin, then tear them out. Yeah, and our protagonist oh. goes, "Do you know what? Yeah," <laughs> rips out <laughs> his own eyeballs, leaving nice eye-shaped holes in his face. Uh, for a split second, like really nicely timed, mm-hmm. but it's kind of lucky that the preacher was on that bit of the Bible, <laughs> or I mean, like I, referenced that bit. I mean, when you say, and also, it is very much an odd film because, like, he clearly—it's not like he's particularly fond of having this X-ray vision, but he keeps putting the eye drops in his eyes. Well, I, I, didn't know, I didn't thing. know if it was it's, like a dependence thing he was building up or. Because occasionally there would be these really scary moments where you'd see through his perspective, you'd, you'd see through this like kind of bizarre retina mm. filter where the world is kind of just blurry and colorful and vague. And then there's a moment where like there's a very specific music that comes along when you're seeing through this filter. And then like suddenly it was accompanied by a scream. Mm. And I was like, oh, is it implying that like if he's not taking it, 
he's like seeing the horrors of the world or something like that. Like he's seeing, I don't know. Like there was definitely a horror element to this movie that it didn't play on that much because that simply wasn't. I, I feel I feel like this movie was made so early that no one really understood what the initial appeal could be. Where like it's an it's an era where the most exciting thing you could do with a premise like this is he does crime. Or he kills some. He knocks someone out the window and is on the run for a bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so it's it's definitely um, well. So a, it's a Roger Corman flick. So there's mm. so there's that. Like it has to be very sort of low level. Like, uh, and it is pre Kubrick. It is pre two thousand one, which we tend to take as sort of like the birth of uh, like the 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 first fusion of uh, science fiction stories with. Um, sort of existentialist like psychedelic themes yes yeah, mm. and themes and imagery but 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 also and like i mean the thing is is like it's pre-2001 like it, like this film couldn't even if it had been post-2001 like imminent imminently post-2001 this film would not have been that no i think i think i think just as a as as a society we've developed like more of a sense of of uh, we've developed a sense of like seeing further like mm-hmm that was a novelty back then. It was purely like a scientific thing. Like seeing further into the real truth of things is seeing through walls or clothes or well, I, playing cards. Well, and because so the interesting, it does have some very 60s touches. I mean, I, uh, the naked party being like the obvious The naked party. <laughs> just like suddenly realizes no one's wearing clothes. In, like interestingly shot, because I can only imagine this, this had to be post Hayes Code. Mm-hmm. Because you could not do that. Like, obviously there's nothing shown, but it's like, I don't know, the, the the amount of people on screen with no clothes on yeah, is like, it's like good, like, orgy elements to it almost. But also it's so damn tame. And, mm. like, bizarrely not, like, in a weird way, I prefer the 60s take on that sort of scene as I, that I would to the 90s take on that scene. Oh, absolutely. I feel if that was the 90s, that would be lecherous as fuck, that scene. And, it, and it's Where he st- tell. He tells like his female um, colleague, just like, "Oh well, I can see through your clothes," and her reaction is just like, "Oh my!" Like it's, I guess those <laughs> eye drops are working. Whew. But like, if that was the '90s, it would be like, it would be Jim Carrey like telling her what her pubes look like, and her going, "Oh!" And then it would be in the trailer. It'd yeah, just be awful. It it it's it, it's weird because it's almost like avuncular. Mm-hmm. He he's sort of like he's a li- he's like overjoyed that he's seeing everyone's naked bits, but it's just like I don't know it 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 is it is pervy, but it's <laughs> he doesn't look like he's getting off on it. It's like the it's not a th- it doesn't feel like a threatening pervy. Mm-hmm. At least I, I'm like I don't know like the point where he goes you have a birthmark blah 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 and she's like how do you know oh and then like she crosses her arms over her breasts and it's yeah it's like weirdly uh, charming. Yeah, and I don't know. Yeah, it, it's I don't know, like I I I mean I don't know how a woman would feel watching that. Like whether like that might be just a completely different because we're just not occupying as, as mm. viewers. Neither of us are necessarily occupying women's place in that scene. Mm. So, um, but yeah, it it doesn't it doesn't feel invasive. It just kind of feels like it feels like a sexy sixties party. <laughs> I tell you what a 90s take on that scene would actually be would be he'd be checking out all the ladies and like being real happy about all the boobs of, uh, that are out but then he'd start noticing that there are guys there too mm. and oof, that'd be super gay oh my god yeah and he'd like freak out about it it'd be terrible so with that 
let me give my modern take on this. So there are a number... I told you there was a number of movies that this uh, this reminded me of. Mm-hmm. Um, Hollow Man, for one. Right, okay. Which is a weird thing, like kind of being given this this pervasive voyeuristic gift. The idea of, of, of someone who is scientifically driven desiring something and then that desire altering them once they actually get it. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, not necessarily in like evil ways, although in Hollow Man that's definitely the case. Uh, but, you know... What once you get what you want, uh, it changes kind of. It's like a cautionary tale almost. So obviously, I did want to go for the kind of slightly more psychedelic, like slightly more contemporary, seeing further man sort of thing. But you know, we're talking of kind of pre or post um, two thousand one. What it is to to see further into into psychedelic truths and things. But mm. there's one there's one element of seeing you know uh fantastically and seeing beyond the veil of truth in fiction that is much much earlier and that's lovecraft Mm -hmm. and this movie kind of made me want to do like a modern look at what that would be with this premise yeah so here's what i'm thinking there's a guy and he's not he's not like a spectrometist he's like uh is that even a word (laughs) no idea (laughs) he's all right he's someone who is obsessed with attaining higher planes of perception, obviously. Not just visually, but just in, in all respects. Uh, and, you know, he's like a one of these kind of, like, academic drug users sort of thing. So a lot of, like, LSD or HTP or HTML, whatever he's taking. I don't know what they're called. Uh, and I'm thinking he's being played by Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah, because I was because I want that kind of energy. I want that kind of like skittish, charismatic, but not too charismatic. Like still a little bit scary. Yeah, I, I know what you putting. mean. Like you, you, know, you saw his performance in Batman vs Superman. Thought, <laughs> no, like, that's actually, the kind was... of energy I want to bring. <laughs> that's what we should have in every movie. <laughs> but so he wants uh, like a higher plane of perception, and that doesn't pertain necessarily to just sight. Mm-hmm. But when he hears about kind of this experimental uh, serum that you can drop into your eyes that allows you to see the entire spectrum of vision, he jumps at that and he wants to be a part of this trial. And he like gladly documents his, his usage of this and he takes these eye drops and for a while it's kind of like the 60s one. You know, he can just see through things. He can actually, it is explicitly x-ray. All right. Like, he can, he can see... What's what's weird about x-ray? Because like... It's specifically bones that it works with. <laughs> but, like, I want him to have more control over it. He can actually control kind of, like, what he what he wants to see through and how much of it he can see through. Because mm-hmm. otherwise you'd just see basically nothing. <laughs> um, and, you know, for a while it's great, and he's, like, documenting this, and he's, like, a bit of a prick about it. Like, he's kind of, like, this, uh, I don't know, like, rock star, cool drug user. Like, I can, I can see stuff, man. And and people are interested in him. He's like doing lots of interviews, and he's like he is the man with the X-ray eyes for a while. He's like a celebrity figure. Ooh, he's not just okay. a doctor. Um, and I want him to have this uh, this party scene, almost the same, where he like realizes everyone's naked, and like it's all a big joke, and like haha, isn't this cool? Isn't aren't we so? Oh, we're so liberated. It's 2017. Great. Um, but I want it to like go a little bit further. He's seen through people's clothes, and that's all very well. But he starts seeing through people's skin as well. 
Mm. And like the same imagery, people dancing, hanging out, socializing with no skin and eventually like no muscular structure to the point where he's just seeing like nervous systems. Mm. And obviously it's going to be pretty freaky, this. Like he's going to be freaking out and like he, he you start to believe that stuff stuff about this serum is, is beyond his control. Um, And so, you know, they're doing more tests on him, seeing kind of uh where this is going what it's changing into but really it's just his brain adjusting to like seeing more input mm-hmm. you know uh eventually he starts seeing so much that he starts losing his bearings just as a regular person like he sees so far and through so much that he he starts like questioning where am i you know mm-hmm. it's like it's like not funny anymore <laughs> uh and to the point where eventually uh, he's getting so much input visually that he's asking, when am I? And this is where I want to take it a little bit different. He starts seeing four-dimensionally. Ooh. And he like by looking at someone, he can just see the entire day they've had. Ooh. And eventually like the entire year they had. And then eventually he can just look at someone and see their life. Um, Shit. And, that, and that's where kind of like the fortune teller element comes into. He's like, he becomes like this mystic and he can just read anyone. Uh, and this by this point he's kind of like ruined as a as a person almost like he just he just he just wants out but he can't because this is just like his his gift well his gift and this is just kind of um this is, is he the still he's gonna... using the the eye drops at this point well this is where i wanted to take it because i was very interested in the one that the in what the original was doing where he would start seeing through things. Like the, the the thing that was scaring me about the original, the reason I found it creepy was whenever you'd see these slightly psychedelic images, it always looked as if it, something was clearing up. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, like when you do get eye drops and like your vision starts to clear, mm-hmm. it kind of looked like he was about to see something. He was about to actually see through the veil or something. And it, it scared me. The idea that, that, that something truly terrifying was on the other side of that. And I really want to lean into this. I want to lean into this point where if he doesn't use for a long time, his comprehension of all this info actually begins to adjust and and level out. And what he's left with is terrifying. So, like, he, he needs to keep using to, like, readjust his vision because eventually he'll just see through all of existence and be in a void. Wait, so he's sort of re... He keeps on, like, having to readjust because he, like... Because he needs to, like, he's, like, running fast. He's, like, his vision's getting better and better, but, it, like, the better it's getting, like, the worse. Yeah, he needs to becomes, keep his like, he m- needs to keep his vision, like, on, like, uh, keep it on its toes. Because mm-hmm, if mm-hmm. he adjusts to it, he'll, he'll, he'll just comprehend everything. And you start to learn that that being a thing that happens would be really bad. Because I want to allude that there's something really awful beyond the veil. Like, I want maybe, like, a almost a scene where he realizes that his vision is just a flat 2D plane that he can move through. It <laughs> get really trippy. But that, that he could just tear down, like, a painting. And there's some... He knows there's something on the other side, but he doesn't want to see it. Um, And then... He's going to keep on taking this stuff to the point where we have the same scene where he would speak to uh, a preacher, someone who gives him this this, this sermon of, of, of tear out thine eyes. Mm-hmm. And obviously he doesn't literally just pull them out there and then. But he will elect to have his eyes surgically removed by someone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll have a whole scene where his eyes are taken out. And at this stage, his eyes are like precious. 
they're they're like uh, golden exemplars of, of science and endeavor. But he has his eyes taken out, and then he's blindfolded for the rest of the film. And when that happens, everything in the world goes black. Uh, with just him as this figure that's blindfolded on his own. And I want to do this thing that's kind of this 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 strange spatial construction with everything he touches or everything he hears will create the vision for the audience. And 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 oh, things will only come into vision when he touches them or hears them or any other sense. Mm-hmm. Because his other senses are, are heightening so much. Uh, but he also starts hearing things. Mm-hmm. Because... He's taken in so much through his eyes. He's seen so much of like the truth of the universe that it's not even just visual anymore. It's like he's he's enlightened, and there is this kind of awful. I want I want just real fucked up. I want just real Lovecraftian, awful eye god or something. When you see through everything, that is, uh, that that is the 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 thing that that rules us all. It's always been there, but no one's been able to see it because we have regular. We see a tiny bit of the spectrum, and that's very important. Um, and to the point where even when he has no eyes, you know the you know the uh, the Sam Neill line in Event Horizon, where we're going, we don't need eyes to see. Mm. I want a vibe like that. <laughs> uh, to the point where he's just living in this hellish void with this awful monster, uh, and he just has to be like subservient to it, and he doesn't even know where he is on Earth anymore. And and then the film kind of closes out with. Uh, just a scene of of people auctioning off uh, a set of eyes that were his, and people are willing to like you know try try them and spread them, and you have this knowledge that this awful curse is going to spread because everyone's really into that curiosity, mm-hmm. and then it's real haunting and spooky. I like that. I like that but, as an ending. Well, I didn't. I I was watching the movie and I was like, is this a horror here? Because I was pretty scared. So I really wanted to double down on kind of, uh, you know, I don't want to say cautionary tale, <laughs> but double down on that kind of cosmic horror sort of thing. I really love the direct, the sort of visual directions you're going with this as well. Like the whole, like the idea of like a black, sc- I mean, you could almost do it theatrically, right? Like you could sort of do it like black screen and then like whenever he hears someone like a light you could have like a soft light come on and it's a loop but it's illuminating only that person oh, like... you, i mean you could definitely do this with some kind of cgi compositing as well mm. Mm. it'd be really great you know you do you know this might be an odd, odd reference but do you know ghost rider 2 the neville dean taylor one yeah, yeah yeah you know when they clearly ran out of budget so they just do a lot of their action scenes in a black void and they've got this weird kind of light spectrum thing coming off the characters and it's such a bizarre choice, but it, that's kind of it. That's the kind of imagery that I really like. Just people existing uh, uncontextualized by their environment. That sort of imagery. And that's what I'd like to go for. How would Sign you... up, Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah, I mean, how, how are you thinking of sort of uh, 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 indicating the 2D nature of the world as he starts seeing it? I feel well, like that... how how do you envision like him seeing through time? How do you want to... Because there's, so there's so much stuff here which would be just really interesting to try and depict visually yeah i mean well that's the thing seeing through time is considered you know seeing fourth dimensionally mm. and everyone knows that 4d is whenever he sees through time we'll spray the audience with some water <laughs> and blow some wind <laughs> in their face no that i mean that's obviously an issue I mean, we're talking we're talking about it's much more easier said than done we're talking 
stuff that's barely ever been um, put on screen. But I'm not sure. I'd love a scene. I'd love a scene where you know he he's looking off into like a normal foreground, just like in front of him, and then the camera would do a pan, and you you know how like old map paintings were used. Mm-hmm. And it's just like yeah, we're looking at half three D, half two D, like people moving into just what's clearly a painting. Ooh. And just like a modernized version of that where the camera would pan around and you just realize just everything is just flat. And like at the same time that we realize that, he realizes that as well. <sighs> you know? And then like he can just tear it down. Like it's. I, 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 I watched the scene from Doctor Strange again. The one where you get like the only really good bit in Doctor Strange. Oh, where he fall, Yeah, he falls through like this. Yeah, you just go. That was the whole film. I'd be totally happy. <laughs> <laughs> you, you just watched Doc, wait, you just watched Benedict Cumberbatch falling through fractals and you're like oh hell yeah the movie. Well, thing is I, I love I love watching these kind of videos and I always scroll down and just the comments are always always without fail filled on filled just filled with people talking about times they were on drugs and it's just like <laughs> oh my goodness like it's so funny how reliable that is yeah. and do, do you know that do you know that Jefferson Airplane song called White Rabbit yeah, they... They're really trippy, like, one pill makes you larger. It's all about mm-hmm. just psychedelics and stuff. And I listened to that song, and I was just expecting the comments to all be about being high and being like, whoa, man, do you think about... Ugh? And then the top comment was some guy just saying, I like to listen to this when I'm... And just said, in the bath. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. I was like, oh, I like that little drop of, like, innocence. Oh. So yeah, from from one uh, trippy journey through the mind to another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I challenged you to remake Bed Knobs and Broomsticks, the Disney. I would say Disney classic, but Disney attempt to recapture that Mary Poppins magic. Yeah. Okay. So this is a this was an interesting watch. Um, and what you you've never seen it, right? No, I'd never seen it before. All right, this is, I mean, this is weird for me because that was like a good, maybe watch that every day as a kid. Mm. I mean, it, it it's a weird one because uh, for a movie that is at once like so clearly, um, like it's 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 very much part of the Disney phase where they were just, um, they were not they were not in the classics making business anymore. They were on the yeah. trading on their reputational reputation bit. Yeah. And it, and it's kind of how so... they are now. <laughs> They're in that phase again, in a way. Yeah, and and like they they robbed um and like like it's it's you know a bed knobs and broomsticks is it's it's uh it's trading on the Mary Poppins thing like that's something you pointed out while we were watching it. It's like um to the extent that it it hires what's his name David Tomlinson mm-hmm. um, as ba- as almost the same character. Well, actually, weirdly, is like a con man figure. Yeah, it's not not quite the same character, but I, but I don't still know. Like, just it's, like it's, a, it's in a huff about the magic around him. Yeah, What's this? <laughs> um, and just like small changes, such as where, where is the where is the children in Mary Poppins were you know rich, well educated Tories. The children in Bed Knobs and Broomsticks are poor, <laughs> Wait, you badly can't just educated call Tories. The children Tories. <laughs> they That's... oh come on. Is is Cindy O'Callaghan in in it as well? Actually. Um. Uh, is, is is that this? I feel like that's the same girl, right? What in Bed uh, and Broomsticks? As in, in Mary Poppins? Yeah. No, they're very different. Am I? Am I just? I would. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if it, if if in World War Two some evacuees got frozen and only woke up in the early seventies and they just used them. Those kids were so authentic. 
Oh yeah, no, actually, you know what? She that's her. It was her first role, which is actually pretty impressive. She's pretty good in it. Mm. Um, though obviously, I mean, the people who steal the show are Ian. I, I have IMDb open, folks. I don't remember. Oh, names. oh yeah, I was about to say this is not in character view. The guy who once forgot who Ben Stiller was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um is ian wake uh Wakehill or whatever oh man this is his only performance just is that did he like die or something uh he plays charlie he plays he plays the kid who after seeing a witch like, <laughs> after, after finding out that magic exists co- comes to the conclusion that what you need to do is then blackmail the magic yeah, but, user and, and also somehow paradoxically not believe she's magic at the same time <laughs> He's like the biggest fedora atheist ever, where he'd literally be turned into a rabbit and then <laughs> transmute and then, and back then into like, a human and be like, nah. Yeah, he he gets turned into a rabbit and then is like too proud. It's like, it is unwilling to stake his we were, reputation like, we shout- on yeah. believing that a bed will be able to like translocate <laughs> them to London. We were, we were shouting at the screen. The bed was, she was like, oh, this bed can teleport. It's great. And he was like, I don't think so. And we we're like, you were just a rabbit, like, five minutes ago. <laughs> you should be... He should, like, pop back into existence, be, like, mm. naked on the floor, covered in some bizarre ectoplasm of some nondescript origin, yeah, yeah. shaking and just being like, what is up? <laughs> Everything is square. Just, like, just speaking nonsense because, like, his 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 sense of perception has been shaken so dramatically. Yeah, man, I I... I, that that is maybe I mean that is maybe my favorite character. Anyway, he I, should be cutting himself to see if to he's say real. Is that, like you know, so it's 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 a it's a retread of uh, it, it feels like it's trading in on the reputation of of Mary Poppins, and it's clear mm-hmm. and like it's drawing like visual parallels by its hire, by the rehiring of David Tomlinson, and it's got the same sort of thing where like a magic woman shows children like takes children on magical journeys. And... She doesn't really show them anything. Like yeah, yeah. And then <laughs> I, 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 was, I was about to say shows them a good time, and then I realized <laughs> that, that's really fucking horrible. Go that's like the, the worst way to say that. Um, and then. Uh, and and it's got that sort of episodic format, and it's also like a bit rah rah British as well. So it's all it of that gets kind a of bit. It gets thing. a bit UKIP at the end. Like I was watching it, I was like, I know they're like chasing off literal Nazis here. Like this should be all right, but I'm still a bit like, oof. What? This is, this is a bit Brexity here. <laughs> I well, okay. I I I don't know. Like actual like chasing off a Nazi invasion to me is like <laughs> that's pretty all right. I'm yeah, I'm, exactly. I'm down. No, what I'm saying is, I'm Bertie. Bertie, I'm down yeah. with it too. Don't get yeah. me wrong, but <laughs> uh, should, Peter should Flynn be... wants it on record that he is uh, not <laughs> pro-Nazi. Uh, no, but like it should, it should speak for itself, shouldn't it? You don't have to be all like, oh yeah, <laughs> strawberries and cream and fucking Paddington Bear. After that, you know, you're chasing off Nazis. It's like it, it's its own act. Yeah, I, I, I guess. I, I mean, I'm just sort of like. I I feel like the Britishness is contained within like how she fights off the Nazis by yeah. by and by like summoning um uh, uh so, so effectively like summoning the historical armed forces of England by 
uh, animating England and the rest of the, the UK oh, so because who are represented by a bunch of ghosts by a, a bunch of reanimated of animated <laughs> I, would, I would love to see like a I was like yay Scotland um, I would, I'd love to see in some museum like a, a set of samurai armor or something starting to move and just toppling over like nope too foreign <laughs> I, I guess so like I, it also so it also reuses assets heavily heavily from mm. um from Jungle uh, Book? Robin Hood which uh, which reused assets from Jungle Book yeah so it's it's a it's a but for but what I was gonna say like for a for a film that is that is sort of cobbled together out of past glory of like Disney's past glories and and is like it you know, there is recycling of animation and there's reuse of assets and all that kind of thing. It's like surprise. It like it has its own character. Like it has mm-hmm. its own character. It is its own thing. I mean, the songs are in- just forgettable. Like they're not good. Yeah, that but... under the sea one is like almost memorable. I can almost remember it, but not really. Yeah, like, it, but it's still, it still has an identity of its own, and that's mm-hmm. that's a really good. I feel so. I I don't know. Like I feel like it's a good. I mean, it, that's enough to say. All right, this is a good Disney movie. Like it's not top tier, obviously, but like. A good Disney mm-hmm. movie. So what happens in it is we sort of touched on this before. Like there's like three. It, it's an episodic format. Uh, three evacuees. It's set during just, World War Two. Just the most Cockney children I've ever seen. <laughs> the most Cockney children. Oh, like one and one of them. Like oh god, they're so brilliant. Like the kids in this are brilliant. It's pity. It's a real pity they have so little to do. They're be- they're better than the ones in Mary Poppins. I was expecting them to be like a bit of a rip off letdown, but they're so good. Yeah, I mean, the, we've already touched on this. Like, they, so they get adopted. They get forcibly adopted by Miss Price, um, who it turns out is a witch. Well, she she's like not very them. good. She's not very good at it. Um, and uh, the kids find out she's a witch, and as I say, like the first response is to blackmail her yep. <laughs> into like into like giving them bangers and mash, <laughs> which yeah, as as like a goal of blackmail is something I can very much get behind. These kids don't have a good sense of what is of value when you ha- when you can blackmail someone. Also, they don't have a good sense of like don't blackmail people who are magic. Who I feel are like magic. Anyway, um, they then go to London. They they have to like track down the components of a spell. They go to London. They find <laughs> within David one day Tomlinson, of being evacuated, who, who turns out is sort of running a scam. Who's is is like he, uh, Miss Price, who's the witch, thinks that he's uh, a wizard and a real wizard, but actually he's a scam and like she's just a really good witch and he's yeah, been giving her fake magic words. That's why really spells bizarre. Don't work. It's just, there's, I don't know, man, there's, there's so much junk. And I'm just trying to recap it. I'm really like, yeah, there's like, a lot of plot in this movie. <laughs> like, she should be a prodigy or something, you know? Yeah. Like, if, if she's reading what's essentially a scam, like what is essentially just old books that this guy's regurgitating, and mm. it is actually working as real magic, she should be, you know, the, the second coming. She should be this amazing witch, mm-hmm. which only conflicts with the end of the movie. Oh man, yeah. The ending is. I'll just quickly flick through. Then they go. Then they go to an animated. They they get like <laughs> challenged by badly challenged by some cri- by some crooks. Uh, one of whom is played by Bruce Forsyth. That was weird. Which is fucking great. Bruce Forsyth is sort of like a henchman character. Yeah. At the spry young age of seventy-one. Oh God, he was so. He looked so young then compared to. He still looked old though. Yeah. I. Uh, anyway. Um. 
they go to an animated island, which I will actually say, I'll say this. Um, it was really interesting. It was an interesting experience, the animated bit, because of uh, the bear. So like we said, they reuse assets, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they one of the main assets they reuse is the bear asset, who is Baloo in Jungle Book. Mm. And uh, Little John in yeah. Robin Hood, and but they reuse him as an idiot, as like this, as like this idiot bear in a and naval, like mean outf- naval costume. And I found the I found the experience really disturbing. And what I realized was, like a couple of days afterwards, is that I was having the same experience watching that, watching this cartoon bear play, like be used as the the base asset of a of a of a of a character that's just completely unlike the other characters it was used for as you know people have when they see um jimmy J- jimmy stewart in uh, in vertigo oh yeah like it's like when you see an actor like radically play against type and i realized i was having exactly this i was having that experience but with yeah. an animated like asset hijacked your friend kind of yeah it was almost like, oh man, bear asset. What are you doing? You're normally, <laughs> you're normally such a friendly fellow, <laughs> and now like you're just you're like not, this you're boorish jerk. <laughs> and it was, it was fascinating because, like, I, you know, being an adult human being, and also like, like because I see a lot of films, like I think this also helps. Like, I'm even, even while getting sucked into films, I do, st- I. And like believing in, you know, in that space where you sort of believe in the reality of the of the images that are floating before your eyes, I still have that separation in my head where I'm going. This guy is where like you know I'm watching Murder on the Orient Express and I'm looking at this, I'm looking at it and going, this guy is Kenneth Branagh, sort of simultaneously, but in this state, but in a qualitative way, removed from the part of my brain that is going, this is mm-hmm. uh, Poirot, and mm-hmm. it. And like, and like those two thoughts exist simultaneously, but and and that contradict, and they, even though that sounds contradictory, that's still like it uh, still uh, works. That's the magic. Yeah, that's just how it. That's just how like it works. But I realized like seeing an like an animated asset, the part of my brain that goes this is Poirot doesn't exist, right? I don't know the, the part of my brain going that this is Kenneth Branagh doesn't exist. Yeah, because so, there's no there's no signifier and signified. You know, well actually, well no, there's there's no other thing there's no like reality beyond well there's the, the knowledge the that image. it's a fake drawing i guess i guess but, but... It, but it is inherently animated like it is it's falling your brain already just by virtue of moving mm-hmm. so so i was just seeing i basically it felt like i was seeing the bear from robin hood which is actually it resembles the bear from robin hood more i think mm-hmm. and i was seeing that and going oh but you're one of my favorite characters <laughs> and now <laughs> you're this you're and i don't like it what are you? Yeah, it was such a weird Are you building experience? up to how you just remake this movie exactly the same, but make the bear nice? <laughs> uh, I would love it if you had the balls to do that. No, no. I, I mean, and, th- and then sort of we talk about, and then you know, we sort of mention the final third of this is that they fight Nazis using, they fight a, na- a fight of a Nazi invasion where she, trans- where she animates a whole bunch of like suits of armor and stuff and they fight the Nazis. And it's a really interesting scene as well because... Um, you can kind of te- because it's from like the English point of view. It's obviously like it's a triumphal moment and it's great and it's fun. Mm. 
Um, but you can all, you have enough nows to see the acting, the people who are acting the Nazis are good enough that you can see that from their perspective, it's a fucking horror movie. Yeah, they are really fearful. It's not like, it's like some of it is kind of like, ha ha, my, my bum's on fire, like, yeah. wacky. But some of it's just, you know, my, my sense of reality has been rattled. There are witches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like they're shooting, yeah, they're machine gunning, they're, they're frantically machine, uh, firing machine gun bullets at armor, and there's just a, a seek, several sequences yeah. where they just these bits of armor take take parts of themselves off and then yeah. shake the bullets out i'm just saying on. you know after the war the americans and russians are going to be very interested in angela lansbury <laughs> let's just say that <laughs> i mean that's the thing and yeah and then the movie ends and the movie ends just like oh they burnt her books and she's not a witch anymore oh, which, i couldn't believe it i always hate as a kid Every single sort of novel or, or film or whatever where in which which goes, oh, this person's magic, but you know, at the end of the movie, they're not magic anymore. I always like kicked off a shit because I was like, like literally, fuck that what's, noise. The, what's the appeal? Like, what yeah. kind of reader or viewer is interested in that? My mum? I, mean, I don't I'm, know. <laughs> I mean, I know it's supposed to be like, oh, you know, now we we hit we we've hit like a. It's like a Matilda where they'd be like, oh, you know, like she's not in like a space of drama anymore. So she doesn't mm-hmm. have the powers and shit. But it's like, no. But what's wrong with that? Isn't I... that a nice idea that someone who's who's magical and whimsical like that can live on and, and have a cool life after that? Like, why are we denied that? Well, because I think that like it, it, it just sort of is like, oh, these powers only exist uh, and then you you go into like a nice life and you become like a normal person Ugh. and it's it just, I'd like to it, see it, the it feels absolute opposite. like it feels like a, an erasure of a person's capacity like I mean it's why I quite like the ending of the Matilda film where it's, where actually it's like oh no no she keeps the psychic powers she doesn't use them really much and she only uses them for fun things like mm. when she wants to have a big dance party with yeah um, it's or like, like it's, or like you know. she or she can't reach a book it's and like when like, movies say like yeah. how far how far do these powers go? You just point at Matilda like that far. Yeah. <laughs> I would like to see the absolute opposite of uh, at the at the end of Ben Nobs and Broomsticks, like the Nazis run away and the armor like follow them to the beach and they actually literally walk into the sea. Like Pirates <laughs> of the Caribbean just don't stop and then like and then Michael Tomlinson's like, Alright, alright, that's enough and she's like, No, it's never enough. <laughs> the armor they never killed stops. my father and then <laughs> Oh shit! We didn't even talk about like the the extended dance sequence in London. That's um, weird. The Port Bella Road sequence. Yeah, which is um very odd because it's at once um it's it like for this is a movie that was made in the what is it nineteen seventy one yeah so it's sort of nineteen seventy one woke. <laughs> where on the one hand they acknowledge the fact that like uh you know that London was a pretty multicultural place back then and like mm. there were you know there are like and there are black people and there are um and there are Asian people but at the same time the Asian people are played by white people in brown I don't face think, I don't think all of them were I think it was like a mix which is somehow worse <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like they they yeah. had like three like actual Indian guys, and then like <laughs> were, mi- were missing one to like make the formation. They were like, "All right, Roy, just <laughs> they just got an intern. To, they just got yeah. an intern." It's so it is so strange as a site where like they're legitimately they are because they are celebrating London's cultural diversity. Mm-hmm. It is something that the, it like that's what the scene is doing. Through a somewhat exoticizing 
through an exoticizing sense, but it's you know for 1970s that's yeah it's, that's pretty it, it's, pretty it's good. grandpa woke, woke you know yeah and and then and you just look at it and go but you brown face what <laughs> it's so it's it's a re- it's just such a clash of like wow um <laughs> this is this is a strange ass thing i'm seeing so, so you're gonna you're gonna in your update you're gonna double down the brown face am I, am I <laughs> oh yeah yeah just I, well as you said as we as we identified at the top of the show i now work in finance i'm a, I'm, I'm a neoliberal oblivious. uh people should be free to do whatever they want so long as it's offensive <laughs> to like my i like these narratives i'm in the porn industry you've got like a libertarian youtube channel someone's gonna hold us accountable one day yeah, I mean, I'm gonna have to say, sort of, at the end of this, I, I think this is probably gonna be our last recording because I have to go <laughs> devote more time to my YouTube to channel, like run, truly run amassing a, 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 yep. a fedora collection. Running, but anyway, running a Patreon, um, so I can't, can... I can't be seen. I can't, I, you know, my my YouTube audience. Uh, well, yeah, you know, can't, you've can't gotta, see me hanging work... out with an SJW like like yourself. I'm sorry. <laughs> you got to work full time on doxing people who will meet yeah, the do- you. I, I, in the same, in the similar sense as the porn life chose you, the docs life chose me. We don't <laughs> fucking Christ. <laughs> Just remake this film. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. So, so, um, right. So the, the whole, I, so the idea I had was basically, all right, let's do this with, um, let's do this film with modern refugees. Let's start. Let's start this off. Okay. So ah. it's like, it's like a small. So we're still gonna send it like small. We're still gonna set it in like a small sort of rural place in in England. Like I, I was thinking, like a sort of uh, like I don't know West Country, Yorkshire, that kind of that kind of village experience yeah. you know um so you get three uh and their three kids arrive and they're from oh my god i mean i hesitate to say syria because that's just it feels obvious but like i feel hey, I've, like, oh, maybe like libya here. libya or um a, cu- a country where things have gone to shit and now mm-hmm. they're in britain is it's sort of like the the general thing that's i'm going take. for here um and uh, I think I think Libya might Lib- I feel like Libya might be better because I just don't really want to I don't know like Syria doesn't seem quite as good an idea and like that and like Libya has more like there's Libya is like the um like the gateway to the EU at the moment for uh, refugees from all over Africa oh, okay. so so that might be like so that might even be a more interesting way of doing it uh, but anyway um. So yeah, you get these three refugees, um, uh, but before they enter the picture, well, or, or like, well, they enter the picture and you sort of like get them and like they, they're told that they are going to this village where they will be sort of placed into a local um, like asylum hostel. I think I think it's like it's yeah. like people get put into like asylum hostels while they're being while their 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 paperwork is being reviewed. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. I've stayed in places like that. Um, yeah. Uh, what? Anyway, we'll come, we'll come back. We'll, wait, hold on. We'll come. We'll come back to that. Um, uh, then you cut to Miss Price, um, who is a witch living in that village, and she's uh, um, she, so she's she's working on a task. 
because the local because the the English Council of Witches uh, has oh, nice. already building law. Good. Yeah, ha- has set has has tasked. It, it has this sort of bounty kind of thing on the recovery of an ancient spell, um, a lost spell of the animation of objects. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Uh, and and she, you know, and uh, she's not a particularly prominent witch. She's quite a new witch, uh, and she's like she wants respect within the witching community, and she's decided yeah she's gonna fu- she's gonna be one to the one to find this spell. And then she's kind of incompetent, but she's going to be one to find it. And she like she means well, yeah. And uh, but but the thing is, she's got a clue. She's got something the others don't have. She's got a clue. Uh, this old book which she bought, um, she got from a dealer. She got from a dealer who's like he's like suggested that it has clues to the loca- location of this spell, but it's in a language she doesn't read. Oh, so. And and who happens to speak this? Who happens to come from the country where where this language is spoken? It's these three refugee kids. Ah, uh, do they just do they just like find the book out of nowhere and just be like, what's all this? Right, no. So what happens is like she hears that refugee that she hears that the you know that refugees are coming to this town, like refugees from this country are coming to the town. Um, and so at first, so there are three kids. And basically what I've decided is that the older kid is going to be a lot older than the other two. Like he's going to be kind of like 15, okay. 16 kind of age, like, like a proper, like, and you know, like the, what he's seen, what he's experienced has made him a lot more adult, mm-hmm. um, older beyond his years, like still legally a child, but like older beyond his years. Yeah. Um, but he's, and he's, he's got like a younger sister and a younger brother. Like they could be twins actually. That could be pretty cool. Um, and like they're, you know, they're like younger and still quite innocent. And his thing is like he he wants to protect them and like make sure they're safe. So, you know, the witch comes down and she she goes to this uh, asylum place and uh, she's she offers uh, the older boy. Um, I mean, I could just call him. I guess I could just call him Charlie. I mean, there's enough sort of. Uh, uh, um, there's yeah, enough can... sort of English-speaking countries yeah, down there. Yeah, you just give them the same names. Not... Yeah, Charlie, Paul, and Carrie. Like, seems it's not out of the ordinary. It's not out. It's not beyond the uh, the plausibility. Anyway, yeah. So, so Charlie, uh, and she asks him, "Ah, oh, like, will you, will you translate this for me? Like, I'll pay you. Like, I'll give you. A, I'll I'll pay you for it." Um, but he like gets a wind of how much this means to her, and because they're really shitty at the asylum place, like he's just like, "All right, I'll do this for you, but you have to take us in, and like we'll be self-sufficient, like we won't be a problem, but you got to take us in." And like, okay, and like she's like pretty independently wealthy, and she's like, "Okay, fine," like she doesn't want to, but she'll do it. Um, all right, and so they take, they get taken in. Um, like she does the translation and he does the translation for her. Obviously, like he's finding out what, you know, finds out what is going on. And like he, and like when she leaves, like he forces, he, they they have to go with her because um, I think it'd be really suspicious if she like left and then they weren't, and they were just alone at the house. Like just wouldn't work. So he had, they have to go with her. Okay. I think, um, so like so, and here enters the um, and this sort of enters the the the, the episodic plot. So right. the first 
the first place they go to is London. It, it, Wait, what it turns out do is they use the bed? I mean, they can. It's called I'm, Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. It is, <laughs> bed and, it is called Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. You, there was like a thing. Yeah, okay. They use the bed. Uh, they use the bed. Um, so it turns out that there are like three components to the spell that they need to get. They need to get like these three spell components in order to be able to cast it. Or like three, there are like three parts of the spell, whatever. There are three MacGuffins. So Deathly Hallows, right? <laughs> yeah, a bit. And and they go to the, the first one's in London. So they go to London. Uh, it turns out it's in the, um, I have a, such a detailed plot for this film. <laughs> Way more detailed than I usually do. It's crazy. I got really into this idea. Yeah, we swap places here. <laughs> so we go, yeah. So they go to, um, so the first one's in the hands of a mob boss, a London mob boss. And they have to infiltrate his house in the middle of a big dance ball. Nice. Um, yeah, Do they right? disguise themselves as waiters? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of that yes. stuff. Yes. Oh. Um, and they get, so they go in, uh, but they get picked up almost immediately. They get found out, like the kids do something cute and it rumbles oh. them or whatever. Oh. And But then in order to cause a big distraction, um, they do some, like a... a there's sort of a, um, a mispriced cast a dancing spell, but it goes wrong. And so we replicate the London dancing scene, except that it's because this spell goes wrong and then this dancing spell becomes contagious and Ugh. just everyone in London is just Everyone's starts dancing. dancing. Against... I mean, not to reference something we've, we've already discussed in the show, but it's a bit like that scene in The Mask. Where... Where all the cops just do a big like song and dance number without oh, yeah, meaning yeah. to. Yeah, man. That'd be, that'd be great. That'd be great. I'm on board. Yeah, okay. So that's the thing. They get the first they get the first piece. Oh, but there's people watching from the shadows and they're like, "Oh, <laughs> we got, they got the piece. We wanted the piece." And then they go and 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 they report back and they're back reporting back to a secret overlord. Second story. They're in, they go to this sort of uh, magic I they go to this uh, magic island variant. They they it's like the the the, spe- the second spell slot is guarded by a a, a race of like terrifying beasts like um, like like wh- how are these conveyed are we, are we doing the the roger rabbit sort of thing or um i don't know i feel like so i'm obviously doing a much more like adult less whimsical more sort mm-hmm. of I, I'm moving it out of the Mary Poppins sphere. This of... this sounds le- slightly less Mary Poppins and a bit more like still like a family oriented thing, but like more like the mummy or something like that sort of adventure space. Yeah, exactly. Like Indiana Jones kind of thing. Yeah. Um, is where I is where I'm sort of hitting this. So it's that kind of thing. So I, I, I figure you could do some like CGI. Part of me wanted to do it like, uh, you know, it's almost like a, G- a Ginny fairy kind of thing. So like you're going to this court, um, and they go to this court and they are told they can have the uh they can have the component but they have to like um to they have to get it through like a series of games and i think i was wondering if like riddle games or something cool like that like something very cerebral Mm -hmm. um and they have to compete for it against this other team and then you like see and that it's like this team of evil henchmen if they lose do they get eaten or something no 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 it's just whoever well maybe uh, no 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 it's just like if you it's a competition to see who gets the component because the people who people who get it like don't care Mm -hmm. um they don't really care about it but they just really enjoy games and they Mm -hmm. love and they love competition 
it's like it's one of those magic race things that yeah. love, they love competition. But anyway, so they if they eventually they, they beat these hench feet. They beat these hench folks. They've got the two ones. They've got the two components, and the third component is in the country that the the three refugee kids have just escaped oh. from. Yeah. So they, you know, there's a big sort of argument over like obviously they don't want to go back and mm-hmm. and like miss price i think like miss price like li- like miss price like f- uh, makes them they yeah. she's like look no i mean you promised i mean you got it- you got a teleport in bed you can do it you won't be like all right let's go home psych i mean it's just well no but it's it's like they don't agree to go and she's like no you promised and like i you you will get to stay as long as you like but you promised that you'd do this for me and it it's it very much like i think it it I was thinking it would uh, it would destroy the illusion the kids had brought up that this was actually like they were being taken in for love, but actually no, they were just being taken in to. Oh, so like a real shaky relationship there. Yeah, exactly. Like it, it really sort of damages the relationship amongst them, but they they go and um, it breaks up it breaks up this trust that had been building between the characters, and it was all rough. But they go and they find it. Um, uh, they brave some sort of trap or maybe like a riddle monster or something. I've, I've got riddles on the brain. I really like riddles. Riddle monster. I mean, I'm not so hot on riddles because they're a bit arbitrary. Like, if you get my riddle right, I can just be like, no, it's something else. Like, they're not mathematical. I don't. I don't know. But, like, I I like uh, I like fantasy stuff where it's like, oh, you don't have to fight the monster. Like, you have to overcome. You yeah, have to, to solve a puzzle it. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's much better. Anyway, and then. Whoa! It turns out they get ambushed, and they're like, "Oh, who's who's been the big bad this whole time? Oh shit! It's the evil dictator of this country." Whoa! He's he's like he's magic. No, he's been he's been searching for this spell because ah. there's like resistance going on. He's in the middle of a civil war. Like he wants to like crush it, and he wants this spell uh, in order to like create an army of golems. Nice. That will like just like, you know an invincible army that would be able to crush the rebe- crush this rebellion. Mm. Um, but is they there as- like a scary video of what this like of what this future looks like? Of what of what this like a scary presentation of of what would happen if this villain got what he wanted. Oh well, uh huh. Uh, just you wait because it's like in the Rocketeer uh, where ma- it's like what if to- the Nazis had jetpacks? I mean, they managed to escape. They managed to escape. They don't. He doesn't get the. Uh, they managed to escape the ambush. Oh, good. They get back. They tur- they they turn in the components to the to the co- English Council of Witchcraft, and the English Council of Witchcraft is like, "Great, thank you very much." And then they pass it on to the, the evil dictator. Oh, that's some commentary here, Brody. Because because I was quite proud of this because they um. And it's an exchange. So in exchange for like giving this stuff to the dictator in order that they can like in order that he can crush the resistance, the dictator promises to give them open access to, like, his country's old artifacts. And because his country's, like, full of old, like, magical artifacts and, like, old... Yeah. Uh, and old things. So they can just... The English Council of Witchcraft can just go in and, like, plunder and all these sort of things. And they're like, think about it, Miss Price. Like, for, for giving up just one spell, we'd get access to hundreds. Yeah, it's, like, corruption at the top. Yeah, it's all that shit. So it, it's just... It, yeah, you know, it, it's not a particularly novel 
uh, arrangement this right but it's it's i don't know and and obviously like okay so like the the final thing is like they've all been cheated they've all been cheated and betrayed like miss price is feel, but feeling betrayed like the kids are feeling betrayed by miss price yeah so um, betrayal they have but like this brings them together they can understand each other's feelings like they and they sort of they like commit they have to like yeah and they they're like right okay what we need to do is we need to uh, we need to get that. We need to stop the dictator from doing it, from 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 act from animating his army of golems. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and they they so they hop on their bed and like they they jump in and like they interrupt the ritual. And what it what happens is like they interrupt the ritual and like Miss Price like and so instead of like the golems being controlled by the evil dictator, Miss Price takes control and she yeah. uses she uses it to like overwhelm the dictator's armies and then the. Re- the resistance comes in and it's like a good resistance, not like a, not like, <laughs> a, not, like oh, not a, a bad good resistance. I've missed those. <laughs> yeah. They, they, yeah, they're, they're kind of uh, not real at the moment. But yeah, <laughs> um, it's a good, yeah, it's a good resistance. And, they're like the, the least realistic thing in the film full of witches. Yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah. And like, uh, you know, democracy shit, whatever. Fuck it. I don't care. Like, <laughs> I don't know pure socialism gets reinstated. Gets instated. Um, uh, whatever. I just doesn't ending. matter. It's a kids. It's a kids movie. Who cares? A uh, happy ending of what of whatever stripe you have, and uh, and credits roll and like and then Miss Price and her three kids like they get they get offered I don't know like uh, like the key, the a lovely life here but they retire back to the english countryside and they just want to live as a family but it's like a magic family because yes they want to they want they still want to be magic Let, let's be real so it's like this. exactly the same but the dishes wash themselves yeah yeah all of that so shit. magic yeah and that was my story and i i was internally debating about it because i think it does follow a very formulaic structure but I was thinking there's still, like, bits and pieces you can do within it. Um, yeah, I think that goes to sort of some quite bold places. Yeah. I d- and it I, also I, sounds like a really I, fun time. I don't know. It, it feels... It, it does feel like I've departed... I mean, it, I, I've departed very heavily from the whimsy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you would need to do a lot to, like, ensure the places and spells were a lot were very colorful and that it mm-hmm. didn't rest too heavily on violence like i'm very con i really wouldn't this film to re- i really wouldn't want this film to rest heavily on violence ah interesting because that would ruin it mm-hmm. that would that, that would completely that would kind of divorce it from being a proper remake i think mm-hmm. yeah especially when you deal with magical stuff like especially like, like spectacle and mm. things it would be tempting just to have a big magic fight at the end but nah no that sounds like a real good time i'd like to see it sweet yeah, man. Cool. I really want to see yours. Yours sounds like is ve- like the visual innovation on display in yours is is. I I want to read a. I want to. I want you to make a graphic novel of that. I think that'd be really Ugh, interesting. I don't know. I think that just, mine might happen to me. I don't know. Just get some new eyes. <laughs> just get some new eyes. Anyway, uh, we're at that moment of the show where we're going to. Uh, wait, hang on. It's our last episode, isn't it? Yeah, it's our last episode. All right. Um, oh. I I know, but just uh, just in case, just in case let's, you know. Yeah, let's get hypothetical again. Uh, when yeah, you're but, away with your libertarian, yeah, misandrist, I mean, yeah, no. you know, it's, <laughs> I I can't I can't be you know I, I'm yeah I mean you're you're just a terrible cuck and I can't yeah there's there's no <laughs> uh, there's no future for me in podcasts about yeah. about film about like lefty 
Lefty Libtard film podcast. How like, can you I, podcast I, with me if you're too busy complaining about how games journalists aren't held accountable? Right. I need to. I'm, I'm about to do a three part series on corruption and yep. games you journalism. Do a five hour interview <laughs> with and, John and Tron. Games journalism and James journalism. <laughs> What's James journalism? Is that a thing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Oh, sorry, no. I'm sorry. I thought maybe maybe James Gunn said I'm, something. I'm, in, I'm interviewing of... James journalism. <laughs> no, I thought like James Gunn said something, and a bunch of like internet fuckboys were like, "Well, oh, check this James journalism out." <laughs> I don't know. Sounds, the thing is, that's how dumb it sounds. Like, it sounds like something they'd say. I I feel like that should that would be that's uh, that's my YouTube um that's my YouTube name. I'm I'm James journalism. <laughs> so <laughs> so Freddie, your task for next time. Uh, hypothetical your, next time, yes. yes your yes. your movie to make mm-hmm. is now. There's a long running flat franchise. Well, it's been going for a while. It's quite successful, and it's like a staple of, of British cool, let's mm-hmm. say, and also a staple of you know, uh, suave action spy stuff. Uh, right. And it's like a well well beloved character who you know has lots of gadgets and and does shooting and 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 goes across the world and you know how how like James McAvoy is being considered to be like the next bond yeah okay i've heard this that means that i would like you to make austin powers 4 austin austin powers 4 yeah have that on my desk please <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that's a hard one okay <laughs> all right all right well you know what? We may have actually... Oh, we've done it again. We've done it again. I feel like we may have had some sort of like weird wavelength thing again because in a similar... In, in the sense that sort of Austin Powers... <laughs> it just is, sounds stupid is, is saying a, it, doesn't is it? A, uh, it's, it's like a satire of, um, of the extreme masculinity... And and sort of like the 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 the, the uh, polarized masculinity and femininity of of James of the James Bond movies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what are you gonna say? I'm so interested. So I would like you to make a film, uh, make a similar film that is also about masculinity and femininity. Only I would like you to make a a remake of uh, Jean Paul Godard's. Uh, no, no, it's, it's not Jean Paul, is it? It's um, oh, no, it's Jean Luc God of Jean Luc Godard's yeah. masculine femina. Hmm. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I don't think those are similar at all, Brody. <laughs> <laughs> that was a real stretch. <laughs> that was a real stretch. We're like connected. <laughs> so much connection. All right, I'll have that with you. All right. Interesting. Okay. All right, let's get watching. Uh, well, I mean, I won't have to obviously because you for won't, the next. You won't, I mean, I, I I'll just be watching uh, expos. I'll I'll just be watching uh, Alex Jones videos for the rest of my life and and mm-hmm. uh, doing like some, a, a worse version of that on my YouTube brain, channel, James Gunnison, or whatever it's called. Buy some weird pills. You don't know what's in them. Yeah, no, I, I I'm I'm going to be inventing new pills, uh, blue pills, <laughs> green pills. I'm going to be. F- Crushing polos and mixing them with milk and freezing them. <laughs> and selling them to idiots. Wait, hold on. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's what I'm going to I'm going to be crushing polos because uh, I don't like circles. I only like lines for some God's reason. Sake. God's sake. <laughs> oh, we'll see you next time. All right, okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs>